0: as we were praying about uh, that study and, and how we would uh, uh, encourage you to be a part of it, God just convicted my heart that these were great passages for us just to walk alongside as as a church. So if you, if you are in that study, then you're going to recognize some of these verses. Many of you are memorizing them. For those of you who are not in the study, I don't think it's too late to get involved. It is a great study experiencing God just a, a thing that reminds us that God is at work all around us and that He wants us to join Him in what He is already doing. And so uh, it, it's just an incredible um, emphasis on our place in relationship to who God is. In John chapter 15, Jesus is giving a picture of where our place is in relationship to the Heavenly Father. I'm I'm going to talk in just a few minutes about the fact that there is a level of arrogance that we unintentionally or intentionally take on where we begin to think that we're in control. I don't know if you've ever thought about control in your life, but is there anything that you're really in control of? I mean, the things that we even think that we have a grasp on and that we're in control of, about the only thing that I'm in control of in my house is the thermostat. And other than that, that's it. And, and other people can even come in and monkey with that. We, we, c- control is a, is, is, is a hope of something that's not even true. And so we, we with our own maybe even unintentional arrogance, begin to live life thinking that it's because of me. It's because of what I do. It's because of the things that I think or say or study or learn or achieve. And I want you to know that this is just a personal picture of Doug today. This, This passage over the last several weeks has rocked my world. Because what I have been reminded of again is that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. If it were not for the hope that I have in Jesus, if it were not the blessings that God had given me, that I would have no peace, no purpose, no hope. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, the words of Jesus say this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, or your, your uh, Bible may say gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, what does your Bible say? You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and, and withers. And the branch, branches that are gathered are thrown in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples. This passage is very clear in that it says that Jesus is the true vine. I'm not a gardener. In fact, Uh, I would testify that there are only brown thumbs at our house. There are no green thumbs. We are trying a garden once again. Uh, I hope that this will be the year that we can make it happen. But uh, we have had unsuccessful uh, gardens in the past. One of the most productive things that we have ever done in growing things was we planted a garden after Dana and I had been married a few years. And I planted it at the back of the place that we were renting And the garden just grew like crazy. And then I realized it was at the end of the drainage line for the septic tank. So that's my positive growth environment. They told me it wouldn't taste any different, and so we ate it. But (laughs) (coughs) it was the field line. It wasn't actually like sewage, but... We just don't have, we're not good at growing things at our house. But here's what I understand about growing is that Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the what? The branches. And so if Jesus is the vine, the vine is where the nutrients come from. The vine is where the power comes from. The vine is where the direction for growth comes from. And so when we begin to think about where we are in that, that we cannot have any life Apart from Christ. And so if you and I are trying to live our lives apart from what God wants us to do and be, it's like a branch being broken off the tree and trying to live on its own. A few months ago when the blizzard came, we have two small trees in our backyard. And they were small enough that when the snow came that they bent completely over And I thought they were done for. And in fact, some of the branches broke. Just as in many of your trees. And when they broke, there was no repairing them. There was no putting them back. Because they had been broken off from the source of their nutrients. Jesus said, that is what I am to you. And so when we begin to try to live our lives apart from what God has designed us to be, there is no life. He also says in... Verse 2, that he is the, excuse me, in verse 1, he said, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. He is the gardener. He is the decision maker. He's the one who decides what what should happen in the growth process. How we should be trimmed. How we should be uh, fertilized. How how we should be encouraged. One thing I know is that as, as the gardener, It's my job to pull the weeds. It's my job to make sure that the the plants get watered. It's my job to make sure that they get the nutrients that they need so that they can grow healthy and strong. And that's the job of our Heavenly Father. He he not only gives us care and protection, but He makes the decisions that sometimes are hard. It says that that He also prunes. He begins to cut away the things that are unnecessary. The things that will hinder our growth. That's the job of the Heavenly Father. Look at verse 2. It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Here's what I want you to understand. Your design, your Life's purpose is to glorify your Heavenly Father and to produce fruit. Here's what scares me. The church in America is filled with people who produce no fruit. I don't know about you, but in my yard, I do pruning one of two ways. I either Lightly trim it with the weed eater, or I pull it out with my truck. Okay, that's why part of the reason why my thumb is brown. Okay, my wife says I think this has hope. I said I I think that needs a chain and a truck. That's how we prune in my world. But God looks at us and and He says, listen, your job is to produce fruit and I want to do things in your life. I want to do things in the influence and the sphere of your relationships to encourage you to produce fruit. But when you don't produce fruit, God will move you out of the way. Now, some people misinterpret this passage to say that you can be a part of the vine, be a child of God, not produce fruit, and that God will tear you off the vine, and send you to hell. That's not what this says. But what this does say is this. Your purpose is to produce fruit. And when you don't produce fruit, God's going to move on to the person that will. One of the scariest things that, that I have in my heart and my life, just me, is that I will have missed the opportunity to be the fruit producer that God intended and has designed me to be. And you may say, Pastor, I, I don't know how to produce fruit. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But here's what I want you to understand. God wants you to be a part of that process. God wants you to be a part of what it means to teach people and to lead people to the cross of Christ. To share the good news, the gospel that has changed your life and has changed mine. God wants you to be a part of that. And he invites us to join him. As you, those of you who are in the study experiencing God, it says that this phrase has stuck with me since I first went through that study many years ago. That God is at work all around us. And he wants us to join him in what he is already doing. Here, That, that takes the pressure off. We don't have to dream up about what God wants us to do. He's already doing it. He's already at work. at The place where you go to work tomorrow. The neighborhood that you live in, the friendships that you're already involved in, the place where you buy your groceries, where you put put gas in your car. God is already at work in those places, and He just wants us to join Him in what He's already doing so that we can be a part of producing fruit for His kingdom and for His glory, to gain the blessing of being connected to the vine that God will supply all of our needs. One, one writer said this about bearing fruit. He said, it's possible for the carnal Christian to produce works, but only the one abiding in Christ can produce lasting fruit. What God wants us to be a part of is what he's already working in the lives of people. Well, how do we know that we're ready? Look at verse 3. It says, already you were clean because of the word that I have spoken to you this Bible that you hold in your hand, this Word of God that I hope brings you encouragement, that it gives you guidance, that it, it gives you the, the, the hope that you need, this is what will equip you. How, how do I do it? You can't do it apart from God. We're, we're going to read that verse in just a moment. God will give you everything that you need. I I, I can't tell you. I I don't believe in in accidental findings, okay? I don't believe. It's happened, okay? I'm not going to tell you that I hadn't opened the Bible one day and, and, and God just had that verse for me. But I will tell you of hundreds of times when I have opened God's Word and been in a study or been in a plan and maybe even missed a day and catching up, and just on the day when I need it, God's Word has spoken to my heart. It's encouraged me. It's given me the direction that I need because Jesus said His Word has cleansed us. It's prepared us to do what we are called to do. Look at verse 4. Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus gives the invitation, Abide in me. Now, let's, let's just understand who this is. God of heaven created the world, got everything going on that he has going. I mean, the 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 planet is in balance, the the whole political sphere of the whole world of every let I me mean, just turn on the news and, and just think of all the things that God has to do. And then he in verse 4 says, "Hey, I want to have a partnership with you. I want you to work with me. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to Work alongside what I am already doing. Abide in me. Get your power from me. Get get your nutrients, your guidance, your direction from me. It's an invitation from Almighty God to be a part of what He is doing. You see, because fruit can only be produced when we're connected to the vine. And then, verse five Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. For for apart from me, you can do nothing. Your design, your job is to produce fruit. So when you and I, this is where it gets personal. When you and I are not producing fruit, we're not doing what we were designed to do. What if you went into your job for the next two weeks and you looked at your boss and you said, you know what, this is what I'm supposed to do, but for the next two weeks I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. What would your boss say? Well, that sounds awesome. I'll find somebody to replace you. Because here is your job. Here is your design. Here is your purpose. This is why we employ you. It's a little bit different. God doesn't employ us, but he has called us. And the design of your heart, your life, the passions that you have, God doesn't want to take that away. He wants to use those for his glory, for his honor, to allow you to be a part of what he's already working and doing in our city, in your life, for his glory. He says, abide in me. He also says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's the place where our human arrogance comes into play. When, When he said, apart from me, you can do nothing, here's what it means. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not tricks, okay? That's what it means. It means that if we're not connected to the vine, if we're not following the purposes of God for our lives, then we're wasting our time. We're spinning our wheels. Can you think of people in your world who that seems to be the pattern of their life? They're not really doing anything. They're just existing. They're just getting by. They have no joy. They have no real hope. They have no purpose in their, in their life. You see, our connection to God is the most important thing from salvation to restoration, from forgiveness to the replenishing of our souls. It's not my work, but it's God's work in me. And when God begins to work in my life and in your life, then it spills out into our world. And we begin to see that the gospel that has transformed our lives is what really people want. And it's addicting for you to to get to share what God wants to do, has done, and is doing in your life. And you get to tell other people about that. I've, I've been through... So many different evangelism trainings that have all kinds of initials and some of them are really simple and some of them came in notebooks that were two inches thick and some of them said you, you, you memorize one verse and others said you memorize 50 verses. Here's what I want you to know that I have learned from my own life experience. Take it or leave it. What people want to really know is what Jesus has made a difference in your life. They don't want you to go through some pre-rehearsed thing. What they want to know is if Jesus is real, then how has it made a difference in your heart? How has it helped your marriage? How has it helped you make decisions that that are tough in your life? How has it helped you when you're overcoming sin and temptation? That's what people want to know. So when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, you you begin to realize that in, in Intentionally or unintentionally, you have arrogantly said to God, I really can do this without you. And now we come to the understanding that I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live in a way that honors God and that I really can't do anything on my own. It's not my work, it's the work of God that really matters. It's always amazed me that God allows us to be a part of His plan to take the message of the gospel to the world, to minister in His name, to share a hope that comes from heaven straight to someone's life. Do do you realize that God could do that without you? He, He could proclaim to the whole world right now, but He chooses to use us. To allow us to be a part of that blessing of sharing hope, sharing peace and purpose with those who are downtrodden, beaten up and run over by the world. To lead people to the greatest thing that could ever change their life. God God allows us to be a part of that. But we can't do it on our own. Verse 5 says, apart from me you can do nothing. God God wants us to be a part of that. I don't want to skip verse 6, but I I really want to get to verse 7, but let's let's deal with verse 6. It says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and it withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown in the fire burned. As I said a minute ago, it's not God sending you to hell. It's not God casting you to hell. But God says, listen, if you're not going to do what you're designed, I'm not going to waste nutrients, time, energy on you. That's scary. I don't want to be in that place. I don't want to be the one that's been set aside. I want to be the one connected to the vine. I want to be the one that's that's a part of seeing the fruit happen. Because when the fruit begins to happen, man, I, I'm telling you, it's addictive. I, I've been praying for a long time, but specifically over the past several weeks and under the conviction of my own heart, I've been praying for Connection Church because I don't want to be the typical church in America that is filled with fruitless Christians. But I want to be as a church that is addicted to producing fruit, that we can't get enough, that we can't see enough life transformation that we're not thrown onto the burn pile, but instead we're connected to what God is doing, that we're right at the center. Because here's what I believe. Are there, are there other churches in this town? Sure there are. Are there other churches in this town that are preaching the gospel? You bet they are. We're not the only church that, that has the true message. I mean, we're, we're not foolish enough to believe that, but here's what I want you to know. I believe that God has uniquely placed us in this city with the purpose with the plan, with, with the ability to reach some people that, that no other churches is re, are reaching out to. And it's our job, it's our honor, it's our privilege to be able to look at that, that sector of our city and say, God, don't pass us by. We'll do our part. We'll love people. We'll love the people who maybe somebody else is going to make a judgment on the way they look on where they've been and what they've done. I don't know about you, but I have a past. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, He forgave me anyway. And there there are going to be people who walk into this room and they're going to have a past. They're they're going to have some some, uh, markings of the past, even in their eyes or on their body or in the way they look or dress. You know what I think? None of that really matters because what Jesus is looking for is right here. It's in the heart. And I believe that we've been uniquely called to reach our city and our region for Christ. I've tried that phrase apart from me. I've tried to do it. Some of you, the thing I love about South Dakotans is that you are a people who are self-sufficient. I mean, you, you work hard. You, you just get things done. And, and that is an awesome trait. But it can also be our biggest detriment because we think that we can work our way into what God wants us to be. Here's what I want you to understand. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about what you have done. It's not about what we have accomplished. It's not about what we can do. Listen to what James chapter 4 says about this. James 4 verse 13 says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city or such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will live and we will do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So what, whoever does the, knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Isn't it interesting that some 2,000 years ago that James pegged us, That we make plans. Listen, you ought to make plans, okay? If you're not planning for retirement and you're expecting the government to step in and save you, you're going to be in trouble, okay? If you're not making plans about what your life's going to be like in five or ten years, if you're not making plans, then you're foolish, okay? But you need to understand this. Those plans all need to fall in line with what God wants to do with your life. And your plans all ought to be written in pencil so that God can change them. Because God may throw something into your world that you're not even thinking about. And so it's arrogant for us to say, hey, we're going to do this and nothing's going to change my mind. You should say, I'm going to do this unless God changes it. If the Lord wills, then I will do it. If He doesn't and He changes the path or the trajectory of my life, then I'm going to go another way. I'm going to live in another place. I'm going to do whatever God calls me to do. You see, it's one thing to live in ignorant rebellion to God. But as the Holy Spirit reveals to you, you need to understand our foolishness is revealed and we are face to face with our misguided living. There is no peace in living life apart from Christ. If God is truly God, and if we can truly do nothing apart from Him, then we must come to the personal recognition and the personal, even vocal confession that we need Him. We need to abide in Christ. We need to be about bearing fruit. We need to be taking the opportunities that God has placed before us. So here's what it means for your family It means that God has given you the opportunity to be a blessing. Dads, your family will follow you, good or bad. They'll they'll learn your good habits and they'll learn your bad habits. Men, your wives are going to follow your leadership. They, They want you to love Jesus, to follow after His ways. You have the greatest opportunity of influence under the roof of your house. Don't miss it. Because God's given you the opportunity to shepherd and lead and glorify the King. Your job is a place that God has provided for you to be able to provide for your family and their needs. But it's also a place that you can be used as a missionary Listen, if you can't think of lost people at your place of work unless you work at a church, I hope that there's nobody at our office who's lost, but unless you work in a religious place, you, you should have a plethora of people who you are a missionary to share the gospel with. Some of you have the unique ability and opportunity to be able to share your faith openly. Others of you, you have to do it by the way that you live and the things that you say. So whether you can openly proclaim the gospel or you're just loving people in Jesus' name, inviting them to be a part of God's work that's going on in our town, listen, your job is a place that God wants you to be able to use for His glory. And your giftedness, man, some of you, you're so gifted. I I mean, I I would never ask for a microphone on the stage because I love you, okay? You you don't want to hear me sing. Some some people have the ability to do something here. Others of you, you you have great abilities that that may not be used on Sunday morning, but that doesn't mean they're not God-given abilities. Your business mind, your love of people, your gifts of mercy, your artistic ability. Listen, God doesn't want to take those and separate them out. He wants to put them all together and use them for His glory. See, some of you have the gift of service. I had a lady one time. Tell me, she said, Pastor, I don't know what I can do for Jesus, but I love cleaning toilets. And I had a moment where I just thought, what did she just say? (laughs) And she said, I know that sounds weird. She said, but I just love cleaning toilets. Is there a place that I can serve and clean toilets? And we found a place where she could serve that that it was unexpected. And and it was, I I mean, how many people knock on your door? Hey, can I clean your potty? I mean, that just doesn't happen. Okay? And so if you begin to do things out of the ordinary for the glory of our King, and you get to have a conversation, and that lady was able to use her love of cleaning toilets for the glory of the Lord. Listen, that sounds silly, but I want you to know that God can use your gifts. You're going in, you're going out. The places that you go, the ways that, that you live your life, God can use those things for His glory. Here's the scary thing. When you don't use those gifts, God may pull them back. Listen to what, listen to what 2 John chapter 8 says. It says, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what, what we have worked for but may win a full reward. Here's what I believe. God has uniquely given each of you spiritual gifts, earthly gifts, and if you don't use them for His glory, He will take them away and give them to someone else. Use your giftedness for God's glory. Here's what Jesus also said. I I want to read to you one more passage and then I want to bring this to a close in Matthew chapter 5 it's it's a very similar passage from the sermon on the mount where where Jesus is preaching to a group of people it's it's the same spirit that we find that in verse 5 that I am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him that is he that bears much fruit apart from me you can do nothing Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five. He said, "You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its taste, loses its effectiveness, how shall it be salty how, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are a light, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp or and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We don't want to be thrown to the side as followers of Jesus. What we want to do is be the shining light of hope, of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ that God has called us to be in this city. You see, we have a unique opportunity. Does anybody know when the world's going to end? I don't. You don't either. If you think you do, you're stupid, okay? Because God didn't even tell Jesus why in the world would He tell you, okay? So we don't know. It could be this afternoon. It could be two weeks from now. It could be 2,000 years from now. But here's the instructions that we get from God's Word. We should live each day as if this is our last day. We should live each moment as if this is the last time that we get the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. I hope that God begins to burden your heart for this city. That God begins to burden your heart for people that you work with, for people in your neighborhood. Because God has not called us to hide the light under the bushel as the little, boy, a little kid's song says, but it's supposed to be set on a hill and shining brightly for the world to see. God has given you and I an opportunity that we cannot miss and we cannot let go aside. Now, I want to come back to Doug because I can talk bad about me. There are three things that, that I want you to know that God has, has done in my life that I want to share with you, and I think they might be meaningful in your world as well. As I read this passage multiple times over the past weeks, God, God just began to remind me of who I am and who He is. And he, he gave me these three things that I want to share with you. Number one is this. It's not about me. It's not produced by me. It's not under my control. It's not within my grasp to rescue, nor is it under my authority. When we begin to understand that, that is one of the most freeing things that you will ever come to grips with. It's not about you. It's not in your control. And so when you begin to realize that, then what I realize is that my marriage, it's in the hands of God. My kids, they're in the hands of God. My hope for my future, it's in the hands of God. My church that I pastor and lead, it's really not mine It's in the hands of God. So whether we meet here for another six months or we close the doors in two weeks, guess what? It's either God's or it's not what we have intended for it to be. Does that mean we don't work? Does that mean that I don't love my wife? Does that mean that I don't try to invest in my marriage? Of course not. Does that mean that I don't try to teach my children to walk in the ways of God? Does that mean that I don't show up for work on Monday morning? Does that mean that I don't try to provide well? No, it doesn't mean any of that, but what it does mean is this. We do our part, and we leave the results up to God because God is ultimately in control. Because apart from Him, I can do nothing. So You want to lower the stress level in your world today? Then maybe you need to write a prayer to God this afternoon. Pen and paper. God, I'm sorry. I thought it was all about me. I've been trying to live my life in a way that I could produce whatever I needed when I forgot that every good and perfect gift comes from you. So the blessing of my home, my family, the resources that you've given me, the job that I'm blessed with, it's all because of you. And if you decide tomorrow to take it all away, I'm still in your hands. The second thing that God has rocked my world with is that abiding in Christ must become my ultimate goal. It means that every single day of my life, I must begin to seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ moment by moment, day by day, seeking to give him glory. Abiding in Christ will be directly related to the job that I was created for, not to be the pastor of a church, not to be the husband to my wife or father to my children, but to be the bearer of fruit for the kingdom of God. That's my job. That's my honor. That's my privilege. It doesn't mean that I abandon all those other titles. But the ultimate goal in my life must be to abide in the Creator God, Jesus Christ, who loves me, who died on the cross for my sins. I must seek to follow Jesus with all that I have. The third thing is this. It's found in verse 8. If you go back to John chapter 15, I'll close with these words. Jesus said at the end of this section, He said, by this my Father is glorified. Not the person, not the church, not the movement. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The goal of your life and the goal of my life needs to be that we give God the glory for the great things that He has done. My encouragement to you this morning is this. To turn it over to Jesus. To quit trying to figure it out. It's not about you. You're not in control. You're really wasting your time and your effort to try to do it on your own. Turn it over to Jesus. Stay connected to the vine. And then when you begin to do that, God will begin to produce fruit in your life, in your heart, in your world. And you'll begin to see God at work around you. My prayer for you, Connection Church, is that we become a church, that we become a people that live for the King. Would you pray with me?